This is the Yonkazine Brief with Peter Hofflin and Sonia Portillo. Today in the Oncosine Brief, I'm talking with Dr. Michael Calagiori, President of City of Hope National Medical Center in Los Angeles, California, and Dr. Jan Ho Yu, Professor in the Department of Hematology and Hematopoietic Cell Transplantation at City of Hope and a Scholar of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. By combining leading-edge science with true compassion and personalized treatment for each and every patient, scientists, researchers, doctors, nurses, and in fact anyone at City of Hope shares in one single goal, outsmarting cancer to eliminate it. Recognizing the accomplishments in cancer research, treatment, patient care, education, and prevention, the National Cancer Institute has designated City of Hope as a comprehensive cancer center. That is an honor reserved for only 49 institutions nationwide. I'm Peter Hofland, and this is the Ongazine Brief. Numerous breakthrough cancer drugs are based on technology pioneered by City of Hope. These drugs are saving lives of the patients worldwide. In addition to cancer research, millions of people with diabetes benefit from synthetic human insulin developed through research conducted at City of Hope. In today's program, I talk with Dr. Kalajeri and Dr. Yu about some of the results of this research and how this is benefiting patients. The Oncuzine Brief is developed in collaboration with our online journal, Oncuzine, at oncuzine.com, where you can find additional information and the latest news about cancer, cancer diagnosis and treatment, and cancer prevention. The program is produced by Sun Valley Communication. Let's listen to our interview with Dr. Kalajeri and Dr. Yu. Dr. Kalajiri, Dr. Yu, welcome to um, the Ongusine Brief. Dr. Kalajiri, let's start um, with you. The last time that we had an opportunity to speak that was for a recording that we did uh, with the Ongusine Brief um, a couple of years ago when you were the, the outgoing president of the American Association for Cancer Research. I remember that we were talking at uh, the AACR about some of the, the, the programs and some of the initiatives that you took while you were president of that organization. And among the issues that you were trying to deal with was uh, uh, the issue of disparities, which is still uh, of great concern. Now you are at City of Hope. What have you been able to, to accomplish since you moved away from the AACR and are right now at City of Hope. Is this still a concern of you? Have you been able to to look at some of those issues that you're so passionate about? Thank you for the question, Peter. Um, yes, is the answer. I am able to pursue this. When I was at AACR, it was top of the agenda of my presidency. And I'm happy to say that out of the wonderful organization, American Association for Cancer Research, we were able to initiate an endeavor called 2020 by 2020. And what that is, is to collect and sequence 2020 tumors from African-American cancer patients by the year 2020. And we selected the Morehouse College of Medicine as the site to do this. And this was funded by a million dollar grant, largely from the AACR, but also from an organization called M2Gen, which houses the Oncology Research Information Exchange Network. 
and Pelotonia, a bike event that I co-founded in Ohio at The Ohio State University. So these three organizations are funding an endeavor at Morehouse College of Medicine to sequence these tumors, collect their clinical data, and then upload the sequencing information to um, all the available databases so that when we think about cancer, we're not only examining uh, a majority population, but also examining underrepresented minority populations and therefore understanding how race and ethnicity can play into the diagnosis and prognosis of any cancer. If successful, we will move this beyond a single uh, historically black college onto other uh, cancer centers embedded in the African-American and Latino communities and pursue this further at that time. The idea was the funding was was infrastructure money, and then so if we're up and running, it should be uh, cost neutral. And if we can do that, it's a model we would like to replicate across the country. So it is good to hear that there is a little bit of an update and some some good results. Uh, so that's exciting to see. We are getting closer to 2020 to see that this is still one of the projects uh, that is ongoing. Yes, in fact, we've got over a hundred patients consent. And uh, the first sequencing is beginning this month. So we're very excited. I can imagine. Absolutely. But since uh, the ACR, you now are at City of Hope. Uh, City of Hope is uh, a large institute. Tell me a little bit about City of Hope. And, and, and maybe that goes a little bit beyond the oncology and hematology. Uh, but tell me, what, what is this for organization and, and what makes it unique? Well, City of Hope is an NCI-designated comprehensive cancer center, one of 49 in the country. Uh, what is truly unique about City of Hope and what brought me to City of Hope is, first of all, it's a completely independent cancer research institute and uh, cancer hospital. It has amazing, amazing depth in immuno-oncology. It's the leader in CAR T-cell trials, for example, in the country and um, has four GMP facilities right on campus. So if you're a researcher who's focused in cancer, immunology, and translational research, where you want to bring things to the clinic, you can do that all internally here at the City of Hope. Most places are much more, frankly, bureaucratic and do not have their own GMP facilities, and it's much more difficult for investigators who have great ideas to, to really move into the clinic uh, right on campus. And we can do that right here in Los Angeles. In addition, it's incredibly diverse here. You know, virtually everyone is in some way, shape, or form brown. There's uh, Asians, Hispanics, all different Asian populations here. Certainly a Caucasian population is in the minority. So it's very, very exciting and very enriching. The African-Americans, Asians, Hispanics, not only um, as patients, but also in the workforce. So it's an exciting place to be and a great move for myself. Well, I would definitely, uh, maybe a little bit later, but congratulations uh, with the fact that you are right now uh, part of that, uh, that team. Part of, part of that team, um, and that's specifically f because we are here, the, the program is actually initially broadcast um, in, in, in the Phoenix metro area. We have an institute called TGen um, here, and TGen is part of City of Hope. Now, tell me a little bit about translational medicine, the collaboration with TGen, and some of the exciting things that you can do with with that collaboration. 
You know, thank you for that question, Peter. About five or six years ago, City of Hope decided that, amongst other things, it wanted to be a national leader in precision medicine. And as you know, TGen is an absolutely outstanding, internationally recognized, freestanding genomics institute. And so we uh, did this deal where now TGen is part of City of Hope, and I like to say City of Hope is part of TGen. And um, we've got an amazing president, Jeff Trent, president of TGen, amazing TGen board, and cutting-edge genomics, transcriptomics, and proteomics on, on a research side, and then a CLIA-approved laboratory as well called Ashion. So it is a perfect blend because we have at City of Hope acquired about 30 practices around the community in Los Angeles in addition to our our own hub. So we're seeing nearly 10,000 analytic new cases of cancer a year, and we've made the hairy audacious goal of sequencing every new case within the next three years. And of course, having TGen, a powerhouse of genomic medicine, and a Cheyenne, a powerhouse of CLIA-approved genomic medicine um, as part of our family makes this all possible. So we're very, very excited about the research component that it brings and the tremendous backbone in precision medicine that it brings for the City of Hope. Now, when, when you look at the collaboration and when you look at what TGen is doing, what stands out is the term translational medicine or translational genomics for people that may be not necessarily aware of what that means. Can you give me a little bit of a short description of that? Sure. Um, you know, I think when someone goes to a physician today, they've heard those three words, you have cancer. One of the things the doctor should always do is to make sure that the pathology is reviewed, the, the tumor, because about one out of 10 times in cancer, that diagnosis will be incorrect or not totally correct. So you want an expert in that particular cancer to review your tumor. So let's say you had lung cancer, you want to take those slides, get them renewed, reviewed by a lung cancer pathologist to confirm the diagnosis of lung cancer that might have been made, say, at a community hospital. Well, likewise, now there's another piece to the armamentarium in making that diagnosis, and that's genomics. And especially in solid tumors and liquid tumors uh, alike, um, there are certain DNA changes that occur, just like changes in the architecture of the cell occurs under the microscope changes in the molecular makeup of the cell occur at the sub-microscopic level, and those are determined by genomic sequencing, literally spelling out the DNA that's within the tumor cell and comparing it to the DNA that's in your non-tumor cell, say from a, a swab of your gum, of your cheek, or a, a normal blood sample. And when you do that, you can find the mutations, and very often but not all the time, but very often there will be a mutation that a, that a drug can attack. And therefore, mm -hmm. you can go from looking at it under the microscope to really understanding the gene problem and come up with a pill or a, or a, or a chemotherapeutic agent that will work. So it's really taking that sequencing right to the bedside. I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the, quote, misspelled word, if you will, the mutation in the cancer cell. And then I'm right away turning around and here's an off-the-shelf drug that you can use that'll work that we didn't know would work had we not done the sequencing. And that's what a Scion can do. It's, it's clinical grade. It can translate that 
hordes and hordes of DNA sequencing into a meaningful treatment for that cancer patient. And, and as such, it allows you to, in regular terms, it allows you to correct the misspelling in that respect. But it doesn't always involve a lot of novel therapies. I mean, I understand that, that you refer to off-the-shelf, I mean, b- basically approved and available uh, drugs that are out there right now um, and available for us. Well, first of all, it doesn't correct the mutate, the misspelling. It finds the misspelling, and that misspelling tells you, in some instances, which drug to use. In many instances, those drugs are FDA-approved. They're on the shelf in the pharmacy at the cancer hospital, and away we go. In other instances, there are pharma companies that say, I have this experimental drug. If you come across a patient with this particular misspelling or mutation, we think our drug will work. Consent the patient and please uh, offer it to the patient. So in some cases, it's off the shelf. And in other cases, it's experimental agents, as, as you point out. Let's take a break. After the break, we're back with Dr. Kalajuri and Dr. Yu. Each day, researchers make discoveries that bring us closer to the moment when all cancer patients can become survivors. Their progress is made possible with the help of clinical trials. Clinical trials are the brightest torch researchers have to light their way towards better treatments. And if you've been diagnosed with cancer, they may be your brightest ray of hope. Speak with your doctor and visit standuptocancer.org slash clinical trials to learn more. Together, we can stand up for all of us. This is the Oncazine Brief with Peter Hofflin and Sonia Portillo. And welcome back. I'm Peter Hofflin and this is the Oncazine Brief. If you're just joining us in today's episode of the Oncazine Brief, I'm talking with Dr. Kalajuri and Dr. Yu from City of Hope, a National Cancer Institute-designated comprehensive cancer center in Los Angeles, California. I'm Peter Hofflin and this is the Oncazine Brief. Dr. Yu, you were involved in some very interesting studies uh, published uh, earlier in Cancer Discovery, where you found that there is a possibility to treat different forms of cancer, leukemia, with in, in a very special way. Uh, you found that there is a different way of approaching that. Tell me a little bit about the study in, 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 and tell me why that is so important. So we uh, discovered that uh, NK cells express PDL1, which is usually expressed on tumor cells, but in this case, it is expressed on NK cells. And we found NK cells, once they express this marker, they become very activated. They kill tumor cells better. If we use a PDL1 antibody, they can bind it to the PDO one expressed on NK cells and further activated NK cells to kill the tumor cells. I think this is very important because previously people think PDO one works through release the break from T cells, but now this antibody can activate the NK cells directly to kill the tumor cells. This can explain why some Patients without PDL1 expressed on tumor cells but still respond to PDL1 antibody. 
Uh, also, this uh, opened a door to use NK cells that express PDO1 in combination with PDO1 antibody for treatment of various cancer, including leukemia. Now, let's take a step back. Um, and, and, and so, the, the kind of, of, of drugs that you work with, the kind of research that you do, has to do with what they call checkpoint inhibitors. Of course, we've heard over the last, uh, I think, last couple of years, a lot of information about checkpoint inhibitors. Um, in many cases, people, what you just mentioned, say that it, it helps in, in really revving up uh, the, the ability of T-cells uh, the, the to, to fight cancer. So that, that's really a, a very important mechanism in which um, cancer can be treated. Now, your study suggests that you can go beyond that. Correct. Tell me a little bit more about, about um, what that actually means for, 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 for somebody that might be diagnosed with, uh, you mentioned forms of leukemia, how f- what does that mean for the patient at this moment? Or is, is this still a study which is really prematurely, it's still in an early stage? Yeah, previously, um, we know um, this antibody worked very well in non-cancer. And uh, when they are used to treat leukemia, it sometimes works, some, sometimes not. Now we found that Give us a clue. At least our uh, study gave us a clue that the patient, when they have PDL1 positive NK cells, can respond to the drug uh, uh, better. So in the future, we will screen the leukemia patients that who who expressed PDL1 and NK cells and select those patients to be treated with uh, PDL1 antibody. And and I might add, if I may, that we've not defined NK cells. That stands for natural killer cells. And that, like certain T cells in the body, is a cytotoxic, meaning it's a killer cell. It can kill tumors and virally infected cells. And you have billions of these cells floating around in your body every day. So I wanted to just make, make clear that... Um, when we say we can activate an NK cell, it's activating an immune killer cell against the tumor. And, and this is part of your overall immune system, uh, of course. Uh, tell me a little bit more about the interplay, be- because this makes it very interesting in, in uh, development of oncology, oncology drugs. This is moving away to some extent from the traditional chemotherapeutic drugs um, that are really um, very generic in, in, in some way and make it very specific to a patient, to a specific cancer. And to tell me a little bit about the importance of, of that in more general terms. Well, um, first of all, yes, there's chemotherapy. And, you know, it started, I think, in the late 40s uh, with Sidney Farber and a single drug. And now you have multitude of chemotherapeutic agents for a multitude of cancers. And in some cases, curative chemotherapy. So it's always important to remember that it's taken us 70 years to really perfect how to deliver chemotherapy. And without the side effect, for example, of nausea and vomiting, it's very rarely seen now, whereas when I was training, that was very common and really the worst of of chemotherapy. So I think we want our audience to understand that it's the research over decades that perfects things. 
this new birth of immunotherapy, which really has happened uh, first with bone marrow transplant. We discovered that the immune system has the power to cure cancer many, many years ago. But short of uh, bone marrow transplant, we really weren't understanding how to, if you will, jack up the immune system against cancer. And what we learned is that one of the things the tumor does is it puts the immune system to sleep. And it does so by engaging these checkpoints on, for example, T cells. And then it can just grow and grow and grow. That's called immune evasion. And so with that discovery, there's now been the invention of checkpoint inhibitors. Uh, it's kind of like reversing the anesthesia, if you will, and allowing the immune system to wake up and to see the enemy. And in some cases, but not all cases, then destroy the enemy. So this field is you know, five, seven years old uh, in terms of the checkpoint inhibitor therapy. So it's like chemotherapy in the 40s and the 50s. We're in our infancy. But to your point, it's, it's introducing a whole new way to treat cancer that ultimately will probably be less toxic as it's used more and more to replace things like chemotherapy. Right now, we're using it in patients that have already seen chemotherapy and they've already seen radiation therapy. But in certain diseases, for example, lung cancer, we're moving it to the front line. And so one might be able to avoid chemotherapy and radiation therapy altogether. Thus far, it's not been curative, but it's taken diseases that we're giving patients months to live and giving them years and years to live. We don't know yet if in some instances it will be curative. But clearly, and the point I want to emphasize, is it's in its infancy. And ultimately, we will combine checkpoint inhibitors with other types of immune therapy like cytokines and with small molecule targeted therapeutics like, say, Gleevec, and with traditional chemotherapeutic drugs and with radiation, ultimately to create a world you know, free of cancer. That's kind of the big picture we're, to, to keep in mind. We've got a long way to go, but hopefully quickly with more and more resources going into cancer research. And, and that is where, where, where uh, City of Hope and, 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 and TGen all play a role in making sure that from the initial discovery, the initial development, you can actually make or come to a drug that, 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 treat, that treats millions. Exactly. There's a spirit of entrepreneurial endeavors here at the City of Hope, and it's backed up by having GMP facilities right on campus. So. To your point, we can take our discovery, which is preclinical, the PDL1 on natural killer cells, and move it to the clinic right here uh, at the City of Hope. Let's take a short break here, and then we'll continue our interview with Dr. Caligiuri and Dr. Yu. Some of the best sounds you'll ever hear are generic, safe, effective, even money-saving, just like FDA-approved generic drugs. Even if they don't come in the exact same color or shape as their brand name equivalents, they have the same key ingredients and go through a rigorous review process. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist today and visit fda.gov slash generic drugs. Generics are safe, effective, and can save you money. You'll like the sound of that. Over the years, you've brought opioids into your home. They helped when you were in pain, 
and you held on to them just in case. But holding on to opioids puts your family at risk. Learn more at www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. This is the Alcazine Brief with Peter Hofflin and Sonia Portillo. Welcome back. I'm Peter Hofland, and this is the Oncogen Brief. If you're just joining us, today in the Oncogen Brief, I'm talking with Dr. Kalajuri and Dr. Yu from City of Hope, a National Cancer Institute-designated comprehensive cancer center in Los Angeles, California. We're talking about the results of cancer research that may lead to new and more powerful anti-cancer drugs for more cancers. Before the break, we were talking a little bit about the ability of City of Hope uh, in in collaboration with uh, organizations like TGen and others to to create and uh, test out different forms of drug in a very early phase, in discovery, preclinical phase. You were talking about GMP facilities on site. You have three of them. Tell me a little bit about the uh, what that means in terms of, of what you do there. When, when you take something out of a very exciting out of a lab, somebody comes to you and says, well, this is something what we like to explore further. What are some of the mechanisms? What are some of the things that you do? First of all, GMP is kind of a, it's like the good housekeeping um, manufacturing uh, something. GMP means you're manufacturing something that can go into a patient versus GLP, which is laboratory grade, which cannot go into a patient. So very few, and I can't think of any, uh, have this full cadre of GMP facilities right on campus. And what that means is that if you have review by the ethics committee, which we must obtain first, you can take your drug or your CAR T cell or NK cell or PDL1 antibody, which you've made in the laboratory, and use one of these facilities to develop a clinical grade, uh, one that can be given right to the patient. You don't have to go out to uh, a pharmaceutical company or a biotechnology company to manufacture quantities sufficient to put into tens of patients. You can do that right here at City of Hope. And I don't know other institutions that can do that for small molecules, cells, viruses, such as oncolytic viruses, and radionucleotide as well. So we we have the ability to do each and every one of those right here on the campus. And that's meaningful because time is saved and we've saved many patients having manufacturing right here um, by being able to do things in a timely fashion and get them into patients quicker than would have been able to otherwise. And and that's exactly, you you speed up the development process. Now, when you are successful, say that you have early phase clinical trial because you are now working with um, a, a drug that, that can go into humans. How do you find your collaborators to potentially commercialize this? But what are some of the things that, that need to be done? Because obviously City of Hope is not a pharmaceutical company, but you do the all the research for this. What are some of the mechanisms involved in that? Great question. Well, at some point, you know, bringing a d- drug to the clinic now costs between one and $2 billion. Usually what is done is you do the first phase of the clinical trial. In our case, we can do it right here on campus, right after we manufacture it. We do the first phase of the clinical trial, and we accomplish a few things in that phase one. We learn the right dose to give, 
and with sufficient numbers of patients, we're able to see, does the drug have an effect against cancer? And at that point, you want to do 20, 30, 40, 60 patients at your dose that you've obtained. That's called phase two, where you're looking purely how active or efficacious is the drug. And that, again, can still be done here right on campus at the City of Hope. But the FDA requires, in many instances, phase three studies, which are hundreds of patients. And in that case, you're getting into the B, the billion-dollar price tag. Mm -hmm. And that's when you show your data to a pharmaceutical company and you partner with that pharmaceutical company and sometimes with a financial backer as well, a venture company or a private equity company, to come up with the resources both monetarily as well as the factory, the manufacturing, et cetera, the personnel, and all the patients that you need, and you go into a a more uh, national or multi-institutional study uh, to get what the FDA requires uh, for final approval and to put that drug right into the drugstore. Now, when you talk about clinical trials, and that's probably in the later phases, in phase phase three and, 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 and so, there is often, and, and, and then you talk about the hundreds of, of, of people or more than that uh, involved in clinical trials. Some of the requirements, and this shifting a little bit away from what you do at City of Hope, I assume, is, is what they call real-world data, which means that you, now you, people are going to look at the results beyond a clinical trial. How important is that in the development of, of, of anti-cancer drugs? Well, the FDA would like to see more and more real-world data in the approval process. It be difficult uh, because uh, real-world data comes from the community practices, and they're, they're usually flooded with patients, and it's difficult to get patients onto clinical studies. What City of Hope has done um, to address that is we've acquired about 30 community practices in the Los Angeles area. And we really have, it's 50-50. Half of our patients are seen right on campus and the other half are seen right in the community. So our testing bed, if you will, has been expanded greatly. Probably the greatest expansion of any cancer center in the country, but other cancer centers are also joining in some way, shape or form with the community practices to get that real world evidence that's, that's required. Sometimes that real world evidence is acquired after the drug is approved. And it can, in rare instances, change the approval of the drug. But um, sometimes it, of course, in certain instances, can be acquired while the drug is going through the approval process, as you say, usually in the phase three portion of the study. Now, let's go back to um, the mechanism that you um, discovered in, in the study that, we, that was published in, in Cancer Discovery. The mechanism helps you uh, and your teams uh, to, to look at a different way of approaching cancer. Does that potentially lead to the development of a novel drug? Or is this, is this something that, that can be accomplished with existing uh, drugs that are out there? Well, I can, I can answer that. Certainly, there are antibodies directed against PDL1, and um, we have access to those antibodies, and so we can use existing antibodies. The beauty of City of Hope, again, is that we can also make our own anti-PDL1 antibodies. So we have that ability to do that. But there, there are multiple arms to this. One could be just the PDL1 positive NK cells that we see in the patient. That marks that patient, as Dr. Yu said earlier, to be susceptible to NK killing. We can expand the NK cells right here on campus and infuse them 
with high PD-L1 expression into the patient. We can then add the antibody, and then we can add something that further activates the natural killer cells, such as uh, a cytokine. So there are multiple the, the studies on, on as the studies revealed a number of different avenues that we will likely pursue uh, against at least leukemia in a stepwise fashion. First, NK cells that are PDL1 positive, then with the anti-PDL1 antibody, and then likely with an activating cytokine NK, uh, uh, activating cytokine that activates natural killer cells even further uh, against the tumor. Finally, um, Dr. Yu has developed a number of chimeric antigen receptors uh, that can be uh, attached to the natural killer cell that can further traffic the natural killer cell right to, in this case, the leukemia or other tumors. So that can even bring more specificity and hopefully uh, less toxicity to the cancer patient. Let's talk a little bit about, Dr. Yu, about some of the other discoveries, some of the other developments that you are busy with. Before the program, we were talking about chimeric antigen receptor um, T-cells. Um, tell me a little bit about that process. What, what, what are you working on? So in the laboratory, we're working on NK cells and uh, CAR T cells and uh, also oncolytical virus uh, to treat a different uh, kind of cancer, such as glioblastoma, leukemia, and uh, multiple myeloma. Uh, we are also uh, started to work on pancreatic cancer and the other type of cancer as well. And also their combination or combination and with uh, clinical drugs. So when you talk about, um, because people are the term virus, is often something hurt and people are scared of that. When you talk about an oncolytic virus, um, Tell me, that that's a, a kind of a drug delivery mechanism, I believe. Tell me a little bit more about that. We focus on herpes virus, which um, majority of people have this virus, but our immune cells suppress them so that they won't uh, become uh, um, active uh, in a healthy patient and then healthy um, people. When we use this oncolytic virus to treat cancer, we delete some virulent gene and put engineer with some other uh, pieces of DNA. After this engineering, this uh, oncolytic virus can only infect uh, tumor cells but spare normal cells. That means they won't infect normal cells. When they infect uh, uh, tumor cells, they can kill or lyse tumor cells directly. They can also recruit immune cells to help fight cancer. So that's a, that's an, a, a new, relatively new, but very safe way, a different mechanism in which to fight cancer. Yes, uh, I agree. People are sensitive to the virus, but FDA has approved that the first clinical trial, uh, uh, the clinical virus for the treatment of uh, skin cancer called uh, melanoma. Uh, now, in this field, uh, the pace is uh, quicker now because now people know this is the FDA-approved drug. Uh, the FDA-approved the uh, oncolytic virus 
is also herpes virus-based, so we are working on a similar virus. Let's take a short break. After the break, we're back with our interview with Dr. Kala Jury and Dr. Yu from City of Hope, a National Cancer Institute-designated comprehensive cancer center in Los Angeles, California. I'm Peter Hofland, and this is the Younger Sim Brief. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with an SPF of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Are you thinking about buying medicine online? A search for online pharmacies yields more than 20 million results. But which ones can you trust? Medicines bought from unlicensed online pharmacies can be dangerous. You may get a fake drug, your condition may get worse, or you may experience a bad reaction. Don't put your health at risk. To learn how to find an online pharmacy that's safe and legal, visit fda.gov slash besaferx. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is the Yonkazine Brief with Peter Hofflin and Sonia Portillo. And welcome back. I'm Peter Hofflin and this is the Yonkazine Brief. If you're just joining us in today's episode of the Yonkazine Brief, I'm talking with Dr. Kalajuri and Dr. Yu from City of Hope, a National Cancer Institute designated comprehensive cancer center in Los Angeles, California. I'm Peter Hofflin and this is the Yonkazine Brief. Now, when you um, the other thing that you're working on is uh, chimeric antigen T cell receptors, CAR T therapy, which is in itself a very unique um, approach. But this is something what is called hyper personalized or hyper individualized. Dr. Kalajuri, Dr. Yu, um, tell me a little bit about the, the ramifications, the importance of of how the personalization of of these drugs. I agree. It's a personalized medicine uh, because uh, we need to pull uh, the patient's T cells pull out and then expand them in, in the laboratory and also engineer with the car and then infuse back to the same patient. And however, uh, you know sometimes the patient's the T cells cannot be expanded. Uh, especially after chemotherapy, so it has limitation. Now we w- want to change it to uh, universal car or we call it off-the-shelf product. And uh, NK cells has this advantage because uh, when we use uh, uh, healthy people's uh, NK cells infused to patients, it won't cause a disease that uh, T cells can cause. We call it GVHD, graft versus tosis disease. So the NK cells have capability to make off-the-shelf product and to treat a different patients use the same product. That that is a change in in the way CAR Ts are being generated, um, and that does 
does that mean that the way we work with CAR T right now in terms of 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 really looking at the individual patients that can become a little bit more universal? Yes, uh, correct. That's why you know the current CAR T cells is very expensive, around the two hundred fifty thousand dollars per treatment. Uh, if we use off-the-shelf product by using CAR NK cells. And then we can decrease the price of the drug and also can treat more patients. Well, that, that's definitely a very exciting uh, future, I would say. If you, if you look at, at those novel drugs, those novel mechanisms, that one that you discovered uh, this week um, in cancer discovery, the materials, the, the other kind of drugs, antibody drug conjugates, where right now five of them that are clinically over, are approved by the FDA, uh, we have a number of CAR T cells uh, therapy that's uh, approved. Um, but you said they are expensive and very, uh, very specific, also very difficult to to manufacture in some some ways. On the other hand, they are very targeted and in many cases also very personalized. Uh, how is this going to change in the near future? Are we going to have more of those really focused, really targeted, um, individualized cancer therapies? Is that where we're going in the future? Or are you expect um, a different way to treat cancer? Dr. Kalajuri, Dr. Yu? I think uh, our technology is more like universal. It's not individual. We that's our goal. We try to uh, treat uh, more patients, a uh, large number of patients, try to decrease the cost for the drug. For example, uh, we can just change the current uh, treatment option. We can select the patients who have PDL1 positive uh, NK cells, as I mentioned earlier, uh, just through uh, patient selection we can improve the treatment outcome. We also can manufacture PDL1 positive NK cells. Again, NK cells has a capability to treat different patients, make off the shelf a product. So we can manufacture PDL1 positive cells and then treat different patients. As Dr. Kanajuri mentioned, we also can add the car to the PDL1 positive NK cells and then treat patients. In this case, it's not CAR T cells, it's we call the PDL1 positive CAR NK cells for the treatment of patients. Again, it's kind uh, of more universal uh, uh, compared to current CAR T CAR T cell therapy. Well, I can definitely say, um, li listening to uh, the two of you, um, we have a great future ahead of us in terms of the treatment of cancer. City of Hope, of course, plays a, a major role in, in, in some of those developments. Um, it, it's interesting to, to hear for patients that may be afflicted with cancer, may have cancer, uh, that there is a lot of hard work that's being done in the past, but also today still ongoing to... Um, uh, to fight cancer and uh, to to basically try to find a, a way to get rid of it. Thank you both. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. We uh, we carry that passion as does everybody here at City of Hope. So thank you very much for that, Peter. And you're welcome. And um, well, maybe let's not wait too long um, when it comes to new and um, me mechanisms that you discover. Um, whenever there is something new, um, I'd like to have you back in the program. 
Wonderful. That would be our great pleasure. Great. Thank you, Peter. Thank you very much. The immune system is a powerful collection of structures and processes within the body, designed to prevent or limit infection and protect against disease. And while the immune system can naturally defend us against cancer, cancer in turn has the ability to evade the immune system by seducing it not to attack it. To succeed, cancer exploits immune checkpoints, which regulate immune activation and prevent the immune system from attacking healthy cells. But this mechanism can also be used by a tumor to protect itself from being attacked by the immune system. Checkpoints on tumor cells and on T-cells, which are also called T-lymphocyte, a type of white blood cell, help keep immune responses in check. In contrast, blocking these checkpoints releases the brakes on the immune system, giving it the ability to do what it is designed to do, eradicate cancer. For the first time, scientists at City of Hope have discovered a new mechanism in which this process might work. Their study results were published in Cancer Discovery, a journal published by the American Association for Cancer Research, or AACR. These results provide a scientific explanation as to how checkpoint inhibitor therapy can work when there is no checkpoint expressed on a patient's cancer cell. This understanding may lead to a new and powerful therapy against even more cancers. For more information, please visit the website of City of Hope at cityofhope.org. For us here at Yonkers in Brave, we want to thank you, our listeners, sponsors and advertisers, for your ongoing support. Your support helps us create this program and interview experts involved in the development of novel diagnostics and new treatments. Your support also makes it possible to distribute this program via iHeartRadio, in addition to PRX Public Radio Exchange and in the United Kingdom and mainland Europe via UK Health Radio. You can also download our program via iTunes and listen to us via streaming media. In Arizona, you can listen to the Onkers in Brief via Independent Talk 1100 KFNX, one of the top 10 radio stations in Arizona, reaching almost 5 million people throughout the state. For more information about this, check our online journal Onkerzine at Onkerzine.com. You can also find Onkerzine at Facebook, LinkedIn or Twitter. If you like the Onkerzine Brief and want to help us make this program possible, visit our online journal Onkerzine and click on the link The Onkerzine Brief. Here you can find more information on how you can support this program. If you're living in the United States and want to receive our newsletter, text the word CANCER, C-A-N-C-E-R, to 66866, and we will make sure that you'll receive our newsletter, which includes an overview of the latest news in oncology and hematology. Thank you all, and thank you for listening, and join us again for our next episode. I'm Peter Hofland, and this is The Youngest in Brief. The Oncazine Brief is produced for Sun Valley Communication by Peter Hofflin, Sonia Portillo, Evan Wint, David Kaler, and Sean Mayer, and distributed by Inpress Media Group. Support for the Oncazine Brief comes from listeners of this station and our commercial underwriters and advertisers. For more information about underwriting and sponsoring options, contact Sean Mayer in California at 949 923 1660 or visit our website at oncazine.com forward slash underwriting. The Oncazine Brief contains health and medicine related information and is provided for educational and entertainment purposes only. 
The content is not intended as a substitute for professional medical or health advice and does not replace your doctor's advice. Your doctor is the best person to answer questions about your personal health. If you hear something in this program that doesn't agree with what your doctor has told you, ask him or her about it.